Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 461. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Keeping busy, you know. Nice. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about Barbarian, which came out, it came out a while back in theaters, but now it's on HBO Max. So if you have a HBO Max subscription, you can check it out. It's written and directed by Zach Krager. Uh, I think that we could just hop right into our review. Uh, the new Saved by the 90s should be out as of this recording. So as you're listening to this, it should have dropped uh, yesterday. I'm going to try to release it on Halloween. So enjoy that. Again, we talk about Stephen King movies. Barbarian. Like I said, it's it, this is written and directed by Zach Krager. Now, if you're not familiar with Zach Krager, because I feel like he kind of faded away for a little bit, like he kind of went away a little bit, but he was part of the whitest kids you know. He was one uh, of the kids. What? For real? Yeah. Huh. Yep. He was one of the whitest kids you know. So, so it's kind of an interesting uh, turn, I guess, huh. for him. He... That hasn't really done any kind of, as far as I can tell, this is like the first horror thing that he's done. Previously, he directed uh, Miss March, which was basically just like a whitest kids, you know, movie. So, yeah, that's kind of it's kind of interesting <laughs> that he huh. put put this movie out. I have a synopsis here. A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. Now, I went into this movie almost completely cold. I think that I saw maybe one trailer. The trailers for this movie did a really good job of not really giving you really any information. So this, so the way that the trailers for this were set up, if I remember correctly, they, it was like a, almost like a clip rather than a trailer where it just gave us the setup where it's exactly what I just read in the synopsis where there's this woman and she, she goes to this Airbnb, but it turns out that it was double booked through due two different services, rental services. And, uh, everything seems fine at first, but things begin to get horrific. Anyway, I really, I was really surprised with this movie. I was a kind of excited for it because I did read a little bit of hype. I did see it, did see it getting hyped up a little bit. And I, I can't remember. I think this was, this played Sundance. It played a, it played at least one festival. I think it was Sundance. And mm-hmm. uh, so, it, yeah, it was getting a lot of praise out of that. And then when it hit theaters over the summer, a lot of people were talking about it. So, I was kind of excited, but I I went in kind of with no major expectations other than like just really kind of eager for a decent horror movie because I feel like we haven't, you know, we were, we were let down with Hellraiser. We were absolutely let down with Halloween ends. So I was kind of like really yearning for a new horror movie. And uh, this one thankfully delivered on exactly what I was looking for. In fact, more, more so. This is a movie that I could probably see myself rewatching at some point uh, because I enjoyed it so much. Kevin, what were your initial impressions of Barbarian? 
I, I'm pretty much the same as you, where I, I really didn't know anything about this. Right? I knew it was a, an Airbnb. That's essentially all I knew outside of the the praise that I was seeing on the internet, which for for a short period of time, right before I started, it would be like right before I pressed play on this bad boy, I was like, oh shit, Kevin, you fucking set yourself up again to be sorely disappointed. Like why? And, and I know this happens all the time to me. You know, I'll see like numerous people on the internet hyping up a movie, being super excited, maybe even saying things like, oh, this is totally fresh, inventive, that kind of thing. And, you know, I'll naturally just get excitement. You know, it'll build up. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I can't wait until this comes. I got so excited that it was coming to HBO Max. It's like, oh, man. But there was that part of me that right before I press play, that I'm just like, I've been down this road so many times. <laughs> why be, am I doing this? Again? And you'll be down it again in the future, no doubt. I know. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm like, so there was like, as soon as I press play, there was that part of me that tried to like just abort the excitement where I was just like, you know what? This is going to suck. I can feel it. This is what always happens to me. This movie's not going to be great. Whatever. Right. But I was pretty, I was pretty, uh, you know, much in the same boat as you, where not only did it deliver, it far exceeded my expectations, even the ones that I tried to abort out of. It just, it delivered. I mean, it t- the, I do think that it is, for the most part, pretty inventive, especially like the structure of it in terms of uh, mm-hmm. narratively. Yeah. Because it takes some wild uh, whiplash turns here. Yeah, we can we can start by talking about that because that's definitely one of the highlights for me too. It is constantly it's not really subverting your expectations necessarily because you don't know where it's going to go. So it's it's hard to even like have expectations to begin with because it it, it kind of tells like three different stories in a way. And yeah. it it like all of a sudden it just deviates completely and it's like an hour in too it completely changes gears and goes into a a completely different narrative completely different characters um and then it does it again through a flashback later on and i really liked that i didn't i really didn't know how to like what was what was going on where how like any of this was connected and then of course you f- you find out pretty quickly, but uh, yeah, the way that they did the kind of nonlinear storytelling in this, I-, I really appreciated that, and I think that it somehow just added to the the creepiness of the whole thing. I think that by introducing Justin Long's character and dedicating an ample amount of time to developing his character before putting him in that situation. I think that that added a lot to the overall just feeling of the whole story and the themes that are kind of prevalent throughout the whole thing. So I think it was a really smart idea to do that. It's not something you typically see, you know, like a lot of movies would probably just introduce that character without the extended yeah. like preamble. But I think, I think that in- the way that the way that this, he, they this played out i think is it benefited a lot from it yeah i mean it works really well because essentially what the what he does here is he creates a 
like mid movie cliffhanger mm-hmm. that he breaks off from. So you're already because you just got introduced to something, and you're like, okay, well, I just got the information for. I need to get back to that information, and now you're giving me a new character, and you're just like, okay, well, I want to see how this character somehow gets us back to the information that I was just introduced through that you tore me from to straight to blinding light, Jason Long, or yeah, Jason Long, Justin Long <laughs> singing Ricky Tiki Tavi. <laughs> I, I love how happy he was at the beginning of that. And then so quickly turned into rage. And it's just, it was, and I gotta say his, his character was, there were some things that were surprising, especially like down the road mm. that I was just like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that a ton in horror movies, just some of the decisions that he makes. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically one where I'm just like, I, I don't know if that's that it, to me, it just doesn't seem like that's that prevalent in horror movies, which I think that that, that long preamble, like you were talking about really, it added that. Mm hmm. Because you really, you know, you got that little bit of sequence beforehand where you're like, oh, okay, so he's he's trying to change. He's trying to make amends, but yeah, and it just, you know, it's, it's one of those fucking assholes where it's like, oh, it took this situation for you to finally see that maybe you're not a good person, but you maybe know. he's the barbarian, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the yeah the because the bad. The quote unquote bad person in this isn't really that bad. Like, they didn't really do anything. Well, eh. Eh. Without, without giving too much away, there <laughs> were some things done. Some yeah, horrific but, things done. Yeah, but if you're this, this person, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that this person does not know anything about like societal expectations or how people should act. So it's not like, you know what I mean? I can't really like play blame. It's just kind of like a it's stay away. Probably the good idea. I was getting really strong people under the stairs vibes from this movie. And I, and I look at that as a good thing. Like there is definitely, I mean, I, I, I feel like the, the, I feel like he had to be a Zach Krieger had to be influenced by, by Wes Craven with this movie. Just, the just like the how you know you you have these these themes of it, it takes place in Detroit in a neighborhood that is basically uh, I don't even know what you would call it <laughs> abandoned falling apart yeah. you know and you have this really great flashback in the towards the end of the movie uh, of what that neighborhood looked like in the eighties. And so you, you you can definitely draw some kind of like, you know, social messaging from this movie. And I think that all of it is, is done uh, really interestingly. And, and I think that that was very effective as well. That was the only thing that didn't work for me. Because I thought it was just kind of like, it's introduced in just a very like quick, undeveloped, you know, just like, hey, this also, this movie's kind of smart. We're also about something else, like political, But it's just a guy being like, oh, the neighborhood's going to hell. Someone says Reagan. 
it's like okay <laughs> like fucking reagan <laughs> just a just like oh a suggestion right you know reagan 80s and the, the, the decay now you see it yeah this i think like, that was like and, and it's not like a huge knock against it i'm just just like i oh, probably could have done a little bit more there but yeah i mean i, I think that whatever. like looking looking at comparing this to something like Candyman or people under the stairs. I think that those other two movies handled that a little bit more tactfully, I guess. Yeah. More, more, I think a little more a, nuanced. And I think there's a difference because those filmmakers were, they were in that time. They were living through that time. Right. Yeah. We're here at Zach Krager. I think just like maybe heard about it. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh Yeah. All right, I'll throw that in there. He watched Candyman and and uh, people under the stairs, and then he watched RoboCop. To- yeah, and he probably heard like a podcast <laughs> about like White Flight, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll string that in there." Well, uh, I I still I still liked I liked it. I liked the the kind of undertones where I guess maybe overtones well, also, with it. The, the the thing that I liked most about that, because I could have done without the flashback, but I also appreciated the flashback because it was at least done in a way where you got a completely new aesthetic, mm. mm-hmm. which I think is a nice choice where the movie looks completely different than the rest of the movie. Yeah. So the uh, cinematography is done by Zach Cooperstein, and he's done, I mean, I, I think that he is, uh, he's done some really great work in the past. He did uh, The Eyes of My Mother, which had incredible cinematography. He did The Vigil. He, he did a lot of movies that, uh, that I mean, I, I just think he's a really, really skilled DP. And um, this movie looks awesome, I think. I think that they do a lot of really cool like uh like fisheye type stuff and I, I just I really enjoyed all the cinematography with it. It felt very like kind of twisted and the the use of lighting was quite good, especially anything involving like the basement and how those shots were framed and stuff. I, I liked all of that. Oh the one thing that I will because I think we talked about this before. This is not necessarily attributed to the movie, but it was something that I found out. Because I watched this on the HBO Max app on PlayStation, right? And I think I, I talked about a movie, you know, a couple of weeks ago, whatever, where I was like, the frame rate got weird. Mm, yeah, yeah. It just, it seemed like it was less frames than it should be. Yes. Well, the same thing happened with this movie. It was about 40, 45 minutes into it. Like, the frame rate got weird, and everything just looked off. But when this happens, the interesting thing is, is like, the audio's not messed up at all. Like the the mouth mm. and the words still line up and everything. So looking into it a bit more, it seems like it is an HBO Max issue on the PlayStation where it's just like if you go past a certain time, like say like half an hour or 40 minutes, like the frame rate just drops. Huh. And like, it's so weird because it's really fucking annoying because it's like gradual and you're just like, why is Wait, the movie kind of looks different, but then it's still fucking with you because, like, the audio and everything's completely fine. Yeah, that's weird. So if you watched it 
or if you plan on watching it on your PlayStation through the HBO app and the, the frame rate gets weird, it's not supposed to be that way. <laughs> Just yeah. <dance> up. <laughs> it's actually really, really, I think it's a really good looking movie. I liked the cinematography quite a bit. Kate Bosworth's in this? I don't even remember seeing Yeah, I, I saw that before we started recording. I don't remember, unless she was just a voice. <laughs> she p- plays Melissa. Which, was that, like, the phone call at the beginning? Uh, who was the... No. It's definitely not... I, I, I have no idea. That's very... And Sarah Paxton. I don't remember her. Huh. Anyway. Um... Yeah, the I liked the I thought that the makeup effects were quite good, like all of the prosthetics. I really like Georgina Campbell's character as Tess. She's she's essentially the the protagonist of the film. And not only was she just a, a strong lead, but she did things in a smart way. Like she wasn't she was a smart logical That's- person. Now, let's say most of the time she did do some really stupid fucking stuff. Well, there were, especially towards the end, like she, she's a good person. And even when she, there's, there's, there's too much there. I don't want to give that away. Um, There's certain, certain points where she, she is more selfless than she probably should be. But a lot of the decisions that she makes, I think are, are smart. Like, and this is like in the, I think it was in the first trailer when you first see the situation and you, you're introduced to, to her and along with Bill Skarsgård as Keith. And it just, the, the kind of funny thing is like this whole situation in general, it, everything feels off right from, from the get go, even though, probably shouldn't be like it just everything just feels so weird but then she you know is doing her due diligence she's asking to see like his email confirmation for the for the house and getting it as she she sees his id takes a picture of it locks all the doors behind her and stuff because this is a, a, a stranger and you know she doesn't know this guy now eventually they do get to know each other but there's there's a couple other things that she does th- that I think are you know pretty pretty smart like the whole mirror thing that she does like there's a there's a point where there's like a hallway she can't see down it and she uses a mirror to reflect the light down a hallway so she can see so there's you know there's just a, a lot of stuff that she does and I just I liked her as a character she's a very likable endearing character yeah I think that some of those things I think are dumb decisions like the mirror thing. Yeah, I don't need to see more of that. I don't need to investigate that. <laughs> well, are you going to investigate that? Come on. There was a there was a she was trying to save some somebody was in peril. And she was tr- well, trying Well, I mean to- before that. No, she did that before, didn't she? She set that whole thing up before what's his name? Oh yeah, there. well she was locked in down there, right? Isn't that oh, what, yeah. that's when she was locked in? Yeah, but you open that door and then you shut that door. <laughs> well, maybe she thought it was a way out. I don't know. You open that door, you see the you see the dark hallway, and you say, "Okay." No, nope. You see stairs going down further in a basement. That's a no go. That's a nope. It is a. You only, it is a no, sir. 
It goes so far under a house. I'm sorry. You go one floor lower than a house. No yeah, further. Yeah, if there's if there's like basements underneath the basement that clearly no. look man-made, yeah. that's a bad sign. And, and I tell you right now, if a basement's not finished, I ain't investigating shit down there. No, no unfinished basements, no. they're, they're inherently you terrifying. Yeah, you couldn't even get me to check in the corner. Like if the, the fuse box is in the corner, I'm not going to the fuse box. It's an Airbnb. I don't care. I'm leaving. I lived it's daylight in, out. I'm leaving one of the one of the houses that I lived in when I was young uh, had an it was a mostly unfinished basement in it, and that was it was so creepy down there. This is when I lived on Main Street in Dallas Town. Yeah, a basement with dirt. Mm-hmm. It's just that's fucked up. That's just inherently fucked up. You're just in a grave. Immediately tells point. me ghosts. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Essentially, he just needs a little more work, and it's a grave. Fuck that. I guess that that that's a good segue into the tone of this movie and how I to me this was a very unsettling film. Like I was, it it's very tense, and it it's rare that a horror movie affects me in any kind of meaningful way these days but this one definitely had me kind of feel nervous like this one this one got under my skin and i loved it yeah it did no, I'm, I'm right there with you this is uh because I, I think we've you know i've mentioned this numerous times where i'm at the point now in my life where especially when it comes to horror movies i just want to be surprised I want to not be able to see where you're going with it. And this definitely delivered on that. And then on top of it was good, which is just like right. an added bonus. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, oh, wow, you're good too. Cool. That's nice. Thank you. I'm reminded of uh, Malignant, James, the, the James Wan film, and how that one was, that, that reveal was such a surprise. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping for more of, just kind of the old school embracing wackiness. That's what I'm hoping for, man. Like this movie, this movie to me felt like such a, a throwback in a lot of ways, which is weird to say, but it almost felt like, like a nineties horror movie because it did embrace the insanity of it all. Yeah. And, and it, it gets bonkers. I mean, this movie gets nuts at the end. Yeah, it sure does. And it does a good example of like the throwback to me, something that I know is stupid. I know is corny as hell, but I also fucking love it is when the guy's like, yeah, I've been here 15 years and she, and you know what it's setting up for. And, but at the same time, I'm sitting there with a smile on my face. Like, yeah, fucking do it. <laughs> that that seems so great doing. too. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, this movie definitely it, to it. It, it definitely gets bonkers. This is a movie that I think you should go into completely cold. Don't don't uh, watch anything. Just just go into it blind, and I think you'll you'll come away from it. I just, did, just, just I being did. really impressed. I do. I one hundred percent agree with you. But I also find it that you know it's kind of funny that we'll say that after talking about it for forty some minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, like, I think I, I, we told you everything. But do it. No, I think I think that there was a lot of. I mean, there's. You could still go in and get a lot out of it. I think. 
I think that we were pretty vague about specific plot details yeah. and stuff. Like, I mean, I think we did ruin the Justin Long Tricky Ticky Davy. Which is yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, I mean... That that is a bit of a spoiler, is the the Justin Long Ricky Ticky Tavi scene. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go ahead and give Barbarian a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it out of ten? Mm, I'm thinking like a seven and a half, eight, maybe. Yep, that's where I am. I'm at I'm at an eight on this one because yeah, I just had a blast. Had a blast with it. And also, I I don't know if this makes me a bad person. Bill Skarsgård's character, Keith, I would have left him. <laughs> I would have left his ass. He's a grown man. That's a stupid decision he made. Fuck him. I, you know, I was thinking about that a lot during this movie, and and I, I gotta say, like, I probably I, they they don't know each other. That's the thing. Like, they barely, yeah. like, they barely know each other. Exactly. Fuck that. You see, you open up a door and you see that, and you're like, oh, let me go down here. All right. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Best luck to you. All right, so that is Barbarian. Highly recommend that one. It's on HBO Max. Definitely one of the best horror movies of the year, in my opinion. Moving on from that into our watch list, I saw one of the worst horror movies of the year this week, and that's Slayers by K. Asher Levin. This is the one about, it's like a vampire, vampire hunter uh, Thomas Jane plays a vampire hunter. It is uh, excruciatingly bad. I will. Uh, I do have to admit. Full disclosure. I did not finish this movie. I actually turned it off because I I was hating it so much that I felt like. You know, I'll waste my time watching movies. Uh-huh. Movies I don't even like. I Nine times out of ten. If it's a movie I don't like, I'll still stick it out to the end. This one, I just couldn't do, man. It is so horrific. Like, unbelievably cringe-inducingly atrocious. Like, I don't even understand how the people who are in this movie, like, the decisions they made. Like, I I could only assume that, like, on paper, this movie sounded better than the way it turned out. It's so in addition to Thomas Jane, you have Abigail Breslin and Mullen Ackerman in here. The whole premise is stupid. It's about like these, these old, this old vampire couple and they like have this goal to like lit in order to live forever. They have to transfer their souls into like younger people. So they target, these like super famous influencers. So they invite a group of like social media influencers out to their mansion. Mm -hmm. And it's just the only thing worse than like these fake ass annoying social media influencer, famous people are fake versions of those people because it's clear that this K that K Asher Levin doesn't really have any kind of like firsthand knowledge of, of the influencer world and like how, how that all functions. It, it's like he, it's like he watched some other show that was like poking fun or parodying those people in that world. And then like 
did that even more. Like, did a spoof of a spoof. And that's what you have here. And you have, like, these fake overlays and stuff. Like, every time a human or a vampire gets killed, it's like a video game overlay that comes up for no reason. Like, there's no reason for it. Okay, yeah, I guess one of the characters is, like, a professional video gamer. I was doing air quotes there. And so you have like these video game sounds and stuff. It's so bad. So horrible. I can't warn you enough to stay away from Slayers. Sold. I'm going to watch Slayers. Trust you does make me want to watch it more. Trust me. Now this, <laughs> it's not even fucking... like, you know, it, it, there's, there's tons of movies that are like bad, but in a fun way, I'll probably, be talking about one of those later. This is not that. It is just nonstop cringe. Mm-hmm. And there's not even cool. It's called Slayers, and there's no cool like vampire slaying. Thomas Jane is apparently this like badass vampire hunter, but he barely does anything. All he does is he has this tiny little crossbow. It's like a it's like a it's like a Fisher Price crossbow, and he kills some vampires. And it's just oh god, it's so frustrating, dude. And like. Abigail Breslin is on the front here. Like she's like the main character, but she's not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, this is my time to say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Watch that. Cause that's actually fun and cool at the same time. Yeah. Jesus. Well, guess what? I watched Trancers. Trancers. 1984 Trancers. Uh, The first thing that surprised me about this movie is 77 minutes. All right. That's kind of wild. That's that's the that's the kind of territory where I'm into, especially with it being like a sci-fi film, where I'm just like, well, surely that's not long enough. <laughs> you got to build a world, like building a world alone takes like forty minutes, like seventy-seven minutes. I don't think it's going to be enough time to do everything that you need to do, and it's not. That's the number one issue with transfers. Transfers could be longer because it's got some great ideas. It's got a great world. There's cool stuff going on, and I needed more to, more than 77 minutes of it, <clears throat> which all in all is a pretty good you know complaint to have against the film, especially something like Trancers from 1984 with uh, Officer Jack Death. Great name hunts Trancers. There's this guy Whistler. He's his arch enemy. Whistler turns people into like zombies, puts them in a trance. That's why they're called Trancers. Mm. And then Jack Death just kills them. But it seems like Whistler can do this at any time from anywhere. He can just make someone a trancer. So that seems like that happens all the time. Like Jack Death is like looking for people and they're never trancers until Whistler's like, oh, well, I'm going to turn this one into a trancer because he's right by him and maybe I can kill him. And then Jack Death is like, oh, shit, trancer because he's trying to kill him now. And he ends up killing. So he's not really like. He can't really do his job. He just has to exist, and the trancers will come to him because Whistler wants him dead, you know? But the thing is, he's 20... Wait, it's 2247 is the future date. He gets sent back to 1985, Los Angeles, so it's a fish-out-of-water type thing. Ends up with Helen Hunt, and he's trying to find Whistler because the, like, the ancestors of the, like, council or something some like government type thing their ancestors are getting killed in 1985 so they're disappearing from the future 
So he has to get back there and save him. And it's it's something. It is something. It is a good time. And it's got some really cool... One of the things... Because it's got some cool effects, but the, the, the best one that it has is... Of course, it has kind of like a James Bond. Like, hey, we're sending you back to the future. Here's some cool t- tools that you can use. And one of them's a watch that gives him... It's like bullet time. He can hit the watch and like one second gets dragged out for I forget how long. And he can do all this stuff while everyone's frozen in time. Which he uses a couple of times. And it's it's pretty cool the way that they do it. It looks great. Nice. Yeah, I never saw this, but I've always kind of been eyeing it up. Trancers. Trancers, check it out. Tubi. Directed by the prolific Charles Band. It's got... Tim Thomerson. Cool. Uh, I saw Amityville 1992. It's about time. Now, I don't know why. I just assumed that these Amityville sequels were just trash, like like the Poltergeist sequels or, you know, whatever. And, boy, I, I was wrong because I really liked Amityville Dollhouse and this is part of, uh, I guess they call it like the cursed trilogy or something. There's a, a, a recent box set that Vinegar Syndrome put out with these 90s Amityville movies. And I'm not sure if it was just the just three of them or if it was all of them or what. But anyway, this one uh, is directed by Tony Randall. And in you have this this like uh, he's like an architect and he comes back from this job where they're they're working on this development and turns out that it was the the Amityville the original Amityville house where the murders took place and you know the original film uh there was a clock that the guy took and he set up the clock in his in his home and it turns out this clock of course is like haunted but it, it's so weird what it does it's it's similar to Amityville dollhouse where it doesn't really make any sense at all, but you just you just roll with it. So like right off the bat, the guy puts the clock up and he goes out for a jog like the next morning and he gets uh, brutally attacked by a dog, like viciously attacked. And his leg is like it's so messed up. And he um he goes to the hospital and the doctor's like, Hey, he'll be all right. Just got to clean the, the dressing. And the next scene they show, they show the wound and it like is this giant open gaping wound. And it's like no stitches, no nothing. All right. Okay. All right. But I guess what happens is after he gets attacked by this dog, uh, he like turns evil. The clock, like uh, the clock, like possesses him. And then the clock mm-hmm. possesses his uh, daughter as well and turns her into a little bit of a, a little bit of a floozy, if I'm going to be honest. And, uh, and then, so it's up to the, the guy's ex-girlfriend and his son to figure out what's going on and stop this from happening. And it's really just an excuse to have these kind of like wacky set pieces. And it is, a ton of fun. It's very, it's like, it's like sleazy and gross. There's like these, like kind of, you know, these like kind of early nineties, like, you know, society, like style 
scenes where it's like everything's like gooey and they they're using like lots of latex makeup and stuff. Felt felt more like uh, like a Hellraiser movie than an Amityville horror movie. Like cuz it wasn't really like ghosts or anything. It was just like crazy wild stuff happening to these people. And it was a blast. Uh I I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I think I might have to check these out. I'm gonna have to remember these for next year. Yeah, they're on Shutter, so you can you can check them out there. And I think are they on Tubi as well? Yeah, they're on Tubi, Tubi. as well. Oh, you fucking know they're on Tubi, buddy. Are you kidding me? There's a as a, as a side note, there's a spider on my ceiling, and it's it's crawling ever so slightly towards me. Uh huh. Like. Every couple minutes, it's like it's like inching its way towards me. It's not a huge spider, but it's like big enough that I'm concerned. Gotcha, gotcha. So keep us updated. Yeah, let's see what happens here. If you didn't make it, well, I guess this episode would never come out. Then. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> Get lost in the ether. Uh oh! I watched a, the, the absolute classic, absolute classic, 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Ooh, Finally man. got around to watching this one. This first, I never this first time watch, yeah. This is a first time watch. I never checked this out because a, I'm not a huge zombie guy. I, I don't know. Like they just, I'm never like super into watching a zombie movie, and especially with you know this being you know what like one of the first ones. It's really the one that kind of defined the genre. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking. You know, like I've seen stills from it and stuff, and I'm, I'm surely it's just going to be tame as hell. It's just going to be a bunch of people bumbling around because you know there's really no standard for for uh, you know zombie behavior. So it's just going to be a bunch of extras walking slow and going, which it is, which is kind of fun. But it is, it was really interesting a to finally see Dwayne Jones in. Probably the thing that made him, because to me he's just you know Ganja and Hess and losing ground. But I finally got to see him in Night of the Living Dead, and I gotta say I was kind of surprised by where this ended up going. The ending of this is oh, really yeah, fucking, the, the fucking ending? fucked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the specifically the ending. Yeah, and just the way that it's like they're kind. It's you know these two these two narratives kind of like slowly coming together, like their trajectories just. Just slowly as the movie goes on, you know that they're going to come together at some point. And then the way in which it does is just extremely bleak, but mm. also completely understandable because, yeah, that totally makes sense. But there's an added aspect of this of them watching the like the news bulletins, you know, where they, it's dumps where they're learning everything about like what's going on in this crisis and everything that they're they're finding out in real time and delivering across the the television set is it's Pennsylvania. So at the bottom they're like, oh, you know, here's our ticker. If you're in this area, this is where you're supposed to go. So there was this mini game within the movie of me being like, man, I can't wait till they show York. I want to know where you have to go in York County to get away from the the zombies. But York and Lancaster never showed up. Yeah. They had other ones, but it was never those two. And I just really want to know what they picked. <laughs> like, where did you have to go? York Fairgrounds? Was it Boscoffs? The York Fairgrounds? Boscoffs? What was it? I bet it was the Fairgrounds. 
I don't know. Fairgrounds seems tricky, though. Seems like you're just you have yourself open. But then again, you do have the buildings and stuff. And it's gated, too. There's a fence around it. That's true. That's true. I love Night of the Living Dead. I think that it's like one of those movies where you 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 think that because it's like old and it's it's not going to really live up to much. But I I think it's I think it's quite good. Oh, there's some stuff in there. It's about like when they started eating, well, they actually show them eating the because there was a part of me that was like, oh, they're not going to show them like actually eating. Yeah, people. this movie was like, about it. this yeah. movie was pretty wild for the time. Because not only do they show them eating people, but they're like a lot of them were nude too. Yeah, it was, that, that, it was, that just uh, wasn't something you saw a lot in 1968. But also, the, the I mean, the, the overall best thing. I think is the cinematography in this is just oh man it looks so, so good so great yeah especially like the newer versions of it that that they like restored and cleaned up and made look really good yeah because this I was the uh, on Criterion Channel yeah but yeah this is on essentially on every single it's public platform. domain so there's no oh, there there's no go. copyright on it so anybody can show it anywhere which sucks uh Famously, George Romero never made any money from Night of the Living Dead because of the copyrights issue that that happened through through a series of blunders. Mm. It entered the public domain. Unbelievable. Uh, the last one that I saw was Amityville: A New Generation. This is the one that came out after uh, Amityville. It's about time. This one's directed by John Mer- Merlowski. This one's pretty fun too. I gotta say, I like. I was expecting this one to just fall off because I'm like, okay, well, I really I liked Dollhouse. I really liked It's About Time. Surely, the rest of them have to be garbage. But no, this one, this one is a lot of fun too. Uh, I, I, I found myself really having a good time with this one. This one is about. Uh, it's it stars Ross Partridge as a guy named Keys. And he is an artist living in this um, this like studio space with a bunch of other artists, and the he he ends up he's a photographer, and he ends up taking pictures of this uh, homeless man, and the homeless man gives him a mirror, and it turns out that that mirror was from the Amityville house, and there's there's actually even a larger connection in this one where the, the guy who gave him the mirror was actually the killer from the, the original murders that took place in the house. And uh, so this mirror like the dollhouse and the clock, just it kind of like infects or possesses people and just makes them do things like kill themselves, kill other people, go crazy etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it's kind of the same thing uh but this in this one it's just a it's just in in a, a studio space with like an art collective so it's pretty wacky there's some really goofy stuff that happens but yeah overall pretty good time and this one is also on shutter and tubi and looks like it's on plex too Watch out! Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to 
I think I'm totally gonna do this next year. Get into the Amityville like eighty to nineties, like that stretch of them. I just I don't think I ever realized that there was that many. Well, I knew I had a box set. I had an Amityville box set back in the day, and it was the early. It was like the original ones, and like those. Like the first one is. I don't even really like the first one that much, honestly. But like the other sequels were just like kind of boring and and just kind of samey. Like Amityville mm-hmm. Two, The Possession. Like, but these '90s ones, they're just so they're just so they're they're only very loosely connected to the the Amityville story. But they're mostly just like I'm also kind of wondering if the scripts for these movies were originally something else and they mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, pull like just pull them into the Amityville franchise for the name recognition. Yeah. I could see that just being like, yeah, you know what? How about we see this mirrors from the Amityville house? Yeah. And the guy's like, if you let me make the movie, sure. Cause like, yeah, like a lot of them are just, like it's about time. Like the clock. I mean, I, I, you could easily adapt any of these scripts to just include some, you know, references to the Amityville house and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. One piece film. Red is coming out. So for all you one piece fans that are Mm -hmm. itching for more one piece, there you go. Everybody loves One Piece, but I I haven't even tried to get into it. I just it looks too child childish for me. Mm. Is that the is that the pirates one? Are yeah. they pirates? Yeah. 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 It also has like two thousand episodes or something insane, so That's too many episodes. There, yeah, it's been it's been going for a really long time. So, uh, yeah, I think that if you were to get into One Piece now, it'd be a very daunting task. Yeah, you got to be committed to that. Yeah, you got you to be loving it. I mean, it seems like a cool show. I just, I don't think it's for me. Uh, VOD this week. On November 1st, we have The Invaders, which is a documentary about a militant black power group. It was based out of Memphis in the in the late 1960s. We have Gratitude Inc. or also Gratitude Revealed, which is I don't know. Looks like it could have been maybe one title and now it's another one. We have the Sleep Experiment, uh, the Killing Tree. We got Hex. What is this one? Six extreme thrill seekers get more excitement than they can handle in this intense pulse pounding action horror tale. Oh, no. Look out those thrill seekers. Woo. They're, uh, they're going to be in trouble. It looks bad, but maybe I'll check that out. On November 4th, we have Next Exit. Uh, that's with um, Karen Gillan and Katie Parker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Supernatural road movie. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we'll ha- we have I'm Totally Fine. It is a comedy. 
with Jillian Bell and Natalie Morales. This could be good. We have On the Line, Soft and Quiet. Soft and Quiet is one that you won't, if you see Soft and Quiet, you won't forget that movie anytime soon. Oh, yeah, soon. I remember you talking about that one. That one, that one is a, uh, that one's a disturbing one. That one's, that one's a really difficult watch. Not because it's like gruesome or anything like that, but just, it's just, uh, people doing things that just make your, just make you uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable movie. We'll say. Okay. It's, it's pretty good though. I'd give it a, maybe a light recommend. We have 1-800-HOT-NIGHT. This is a coming-of-age comedy, maybe? Dark comedy? Dramedy? This actually looks pretty decent. We have The Manhattan Project. Uh, This isn't the one you're thinking of, most likely. It's about a... I think this is like a Canadian film about a guy who uh, gets a, a terminal cancer diagnosis, and he decides to kill himself by making like a gallon of his favorite drink, which is a Manhattan and taking uh, a lawn chair out to the middle of a frozen lake and drink himself keep and continue drinking until he's dead. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. And like the whole town, like I guess everybody figures out what he's planning on doing. And I guess the whole town tries to stop him or something. Yeah. We got sleep, walk, kill. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I mean, two of those things are okay, but the third one... No. You want to avoid. Don't do the third one. First two, definitely. The the first two are essential. Yes. This stars... And I'm just pointing this out because of the name. Ellen Boskov. Ellen Boskov. I wonder if she is. She's an heiress to, heir the, bo- to, <laughs> heiress to, the, to the Boskov's fortune. <laughs> we have also on the fourth. We have Girl at the Window. This is uh, what's this about? This is, I think this is a horror movie. Amy and her mother move to a new home. Amy sees weird activity. Her neighbor comes and goes at strange hours, and she hears screams. Is her new neighbor and her mother's new love interest the serial killer that's killing her classmates? Hmm. Sounds like a Disturbia slash rear window situation. Intermate comes out. Intermate. Uh, the minute you wake up dead. This is, uh, with, uh, this is a crime thriller with Morgan Freeman. Satan's Slaves Communion comes out on the 4th also. That's going to be on Shudder. Now, the first Satan's Slaves was quite good. Is very creepy, so I'll be checking that one out. Uh, Causeway is coming to Apple TV Plus. That's with Jennifer Lawrence. We got Enola Holmes two. It's going to be on Netflix. Missing. This is a uh, Korean crime thriller that looks pretty good. My Policeman. That's going to be on Amazon Prime, and that's about it for VOD. Pretty pretty wow. big. We're we're entering the big release times. We right sure now. are. So there's a lot of stuff that's coming coming out. Blu-ray this week on November Tuesday, November first, we have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989. This is a 4K edition. Uh, looks like 
The Running Man from 1987 is getting a new 4K release. A whole bunch of Christmas stuff is coming out naturally, like A Christmas Story, Elf, uh, a pack of classic Christmas specials. Like they they do this shit every year. Every year they just re-release the same stuff, mm-hmm. which is you know it's fine. Whatever. Starship Troopers is coming out in 4K. It's got a really cool looking cover. This is the 25th anniversary edition. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick is coming out. Oh boy. Goddamn Top Gun Maverick. I really liked Maverick. Uh it's it's a stupid fun movie. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. Cuz like I didn't mind the first Top Gun. I have no interest in seeing the second Top Gun. But it's just I don't know. It's one of those things that's just been irritating me all year. People talking about Top Gun Maverick. I don't know why. I don't know why it irritates me, but it does. I don't know. I didn't really care. I didn't really care about it one way or the other, but I went to go see it just because I was kind of anxious to get back into the theater, and I really I really liked it. I had a, I had a good time with it. All right. Uh, there's an Evil Dead double pack coming out. I feel like Evil Dead movies are like two of the most released home movies, uh, home media properties ever. They just keep... Pumping them out over and over again. There's like a million different versions. Uh, Let's see. We have At Close Range from 1986 with Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. This is part of the MVD Rewind collection. You know, that's pretty much it for all the big stuff. What about Criterions? We got two Criterions. We have uh, 1966 uh, Czech New Wave classic Daisies. Oh, Daisies coming out. And then you also got In the Mood for Love from 2000. There's something about Daisies that, I don't know. There's, it's, it's such a fun movie. It just, it's, it's so lighthearted and it, 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 just enjoyable. Because it, it, it's, it's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that should do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your t- questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.